At the well, Jesus saw the depth of the heart of a broken woman and loved her into conversion and mission. Likewise, we long to encounter the one who loves, redeems, and fulfills us. And you're invited to join in. This is the podcast at the well. Welcome back, everyone, to season five, episode two, as we continue to journey in Dr. Edward Shree's book, Walking with Mary, A Biblical Journey from Nazareth to the Cross. To start this episode, I will ask Erica if she can lead us in prayer. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed Virgin Mary, teach us to be obedient as you were obedient. Before the enunciations of our life, before we know what God is calling us to, Please help us see the way that he is already preparing us with the graces and the virtues necessary for what he will ask of us. At the moment when he calls us to do difficult things, give us your courage and your wisdom to say yes and to trust his plans above our plans. And after we have said our yes and despair and doubt sets in, give us an ongoing spirit of perseverance to find peace in his will above all things. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Erica. That was really great. I feel like that could give us the strength we need to get through this episode. (laughs) And having said that, it is going to be hopefully a really good episode. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, It is step number one in this particular journey that we're taking during this Advent. And in step number one, it's titled in the book, An Open Heart, Mary in Dialogue with God. And it really focuses on the scripture passage in the Gospel of Luke from chapter one, verses 28 to 29. This is the part of this story of the Annunciation where Mary enters into a dialogue with God himself through the angel Gabriel. One of the things that really stood out for me in this particular step is the fact that it is all about first impressions. And it starts off with the angel Gabriel receiving the message from God and being sent to speak to Mary for the first time. And in return, Mary is also for the first time one, finding out what God's plan of salvation is and that it involves her for the first time, and two, her first impression of speaking to a celestial being and recognizing that this is a message from God to her. You can almost imagine that if, for example, I was the first person (laughs) to receive this news, I probably would have freaked out a little bit. (laughs) That probably would have been a scary sight. In, In my mind, it is one of the reasons why I do believe the angel's greeting to her, this angelic salutation, is a proof that Mother Mary was full of grace and that she was able to receive that message without fear. So, as we get into it, Erica, I really love to hear what your first thoughts were, your first impressions on this particular chapter. The humility with which you admit that you would be terrified, I think, 
I can echo too, right? Like if a giant angel shows up and it's a celestial being in front of me, my first reaction is fear or just disbelief at the whole idea, right? So so definitely, I think it's a really interesting encounter to kind of enter as just a mental experiment, just what happened at the Annunciation. In this chapter by Dr. Edwards III, as you said earlier, it talks about her open heart. So just the events surrounding that greeting of Gabriel and the whole message of the Annunciation. And the first two things that struck me were the ways in which Mary was unlike any other biblical figure, and then the ways that she was like the other biblical figures. So the first part is actually sort of basic and well known, but Dr. Edwards Reed just points out the ways in which she is the only one in scripture, as scholars tell us, to ever have that title which is full of grace. And in fact, with the way she's described as being full of grace, it is literally a formal title that is given to her. And the text says it's almost as if we can think of her name being changed in that moment. So she's not called Mary, but it's like her name is changed to full of grace. And our ears should sort of be biblically perked up to the fact that in this case, she's not the only biblical figure to have their name changed because every single time a figure has their name changed, so Abram becomes Abraham, it means God is calling them to a new mission, just like Peter becomes the rock. And that mission is going to be one that is going to demand a lot of them. And that actually leads to Dr. Edwards' second point about the angelic greeting. He does a lot of word analysis here, in-depth word analysis about every single line and word that Gabriel says. So he points out that when Gabriel tells her, the Lord is with you, in this sense, he actually is putting her in the same context as all the other biblical figures and the heroes of old, especially in the Old Testament, like Moses being called at the burning bush or Jeremiah being called or Samuel being called to these great missions, but he really beautifully puts it like this, where he says, from Moses to Jeremiah, the pattern is clear. The Lord is with you, signals that someone is being called to a great mission that will be difficult and demanding. And the future of Israel is largely dependent on how well that person plays his part. As one commentator explained, In these texts, the destiny of Israel is at stake. The person to whom the words are addressed is summoned by God to a high vocation and entrusted with a momentous mission, and the religious history of Israel, and therefore the whole world, dependent at that moment on his or her response to the call. So I really like the weight of that statement, which which we knew that Mary would have known as well. She knew her scriptures. She knew what it meant when the prophets and patriarchs were assured that the Lord would be with them. It was beautiful and awe-inspiring, but it was also scary. And in the case of most of the prophets and the patriarchs, they tried to reject that mission or show how unfit they were, right? In the case of Moses, he says, pick my brother Aaron, he's more eloquent. Because obviously God's mission, the normal reaction is that it fills you with fear. But what he mentioned was really great here is that God also gives this extra assurance that he will be with them because they will need his grace if they're going to go on to save Israel in their response to the call. And 
save the whole world. So it kind of excites me and makes me think of the superhero movies, you know, where the superhero um, or main characters call to this great mission and they're literally told that the fate of the world is on their shoulders and how well they do, right? Or kind of like Frodo gets entrusted with the ring, but we literally know that everything will collapse if he fails at this mission and he is Middle Earth's last hope. Um, so there's there's actually just such a great potency, I think, and significance to the moment. And Dr. Edward Street captures well then what it would mean for Mary to be implicated with these other biblical figures. But I would probably build on what he says by adding, as we know, that Mary's role in salvation history goes on to be greater than Moses and then Jeremiah and Abraham. And it is the role upon which all of salvation history hinges. Mm, I love that. I love that. And, you know, you're making me think, and so is Dr. Shri here, about the fact that there are certain indications or indicators that this is very different from all those other calls because in this case, we do have someone who is immaculately conceived and who is without sin, and who is full of grace, and that there is no doubt, there is no questioning, there is just this openness that she has to it. Um, And what I mean by that is that, as you mentioned, you see Moses kind of saying, you know, not that he doesn't want to do God's will, but he just doesn't think he's worthy. And one can say the same about St. Joseph, says there is a theory that he was going to just quietly leave Mary because of what happened. And in his case, it was also a situation where there was this doubt, perhaps, that this mission was just too great for him. With Mary, there was no doubt. Just really the openness of Mother Mary's heart, as St. John Paul II talks about, one of the points of the feminine genius would be this receptivity. And there is no one that shows that more in this moment than Mother Mary receiving God's message from the angel Gabriel and just allowing it to, to settle in her heart. That is just such a display for me of her receptivity to God's will in her life. And I'm really glad you do point out her receptivity, Rachel, because like you said, she's conceived immaculately. She doesn't have original sin like these other biblical characters. And therefore her, maybe hesitancy or fear at doing God's will is not necessarily the same as theirs. But I was really moved by the way that Dr. Edwards Ree still pointed out, as Luke's gospel does, that she is greatly troubled. But it's interesting that when he builds on why she's greatly troubled, it's not because she's resistant to the will of God. It could be firstly out of her humility because she's being called to a great mission. And that mission in itself is daunting because though she trusts God and though she's been inclined to him from the moment of her birth, it's actually interesting to see how it's not sinful for her to still be scared, right? Or even troubled in her heart. And then he actually goes on to say a really cool word play fact, which is we know that Luke's gospel says that Mary in that moment considered what sort of greeting this might be. So right from the get-go, when the angel even says, hail, full of grace, she knows that this is a strange, unheard of, bizarre greeting. And so 
what's nice is that he points out that the word considered when you actually parse out the Greek meaning comes from, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but dialogizeto. So that actually means dialogue. And this is where he goes into this beautiful explanation of how Mary in that moment, as she considered this greeting, she also did not allow the fear to become overwhelming to the point where she backed away or retracted from the mission. Instead, as Pope Benedict XVI explained, Mary entered into an interior dialogue with the Word. She carries on an inner dialogue with the Word of God that has been given her, and she speaks to it and lets it speak to her in order to fathom its meaning. So in this sense, she actually responds like Samuel, who when he first heard the promptings of God, didn't close the door of his heart, but humbly put himself at the Lord's disposal and said, speak, your servant is listening. So I actually think that that forms a beautiful model of how we can understand that conversation. And a while ago, I had read not in this text, but another text that this conversation in actuality probably went on longer than what Luke was able to write about, right? Like this is, we get a very small snapshot version. So let's just say they talked for hours well into the night it's actually beautiful for me to think about Mary, yes, feeling troubled, perhaps feeling fear, but also letting her heart in this radical act of openness, just dialogue with that fear and that trouble and let the Lord speak into those instead of, you know, it's the sinful sort of scared, fearful reaction, which is to just say, no, 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 Lord, your will is too much. And so I'm going to flee. So that's sort of just a nice reminder that Dr. Edward points out just by considering the Greek translation of the word consider and ponder. What about you, Rachel? What strikes you from this chapter about having an open heart? It actually reminded me today that the da- at, at daily mass, actually, the gospel acclamation was, if today you hear God's voice, harden not your hearts. And that made me think about preparing for this particular recording tonight and it also reminded me of a very good homily that I had heard one of our friends that we know who is a priest say about open hearts and keeping our hearts open and how as Catholics he gave this image of us um, being like Jesus and Mother Mary in the sacred heart and the immaculate heart of having our hearts out in our hands and leaving it out in the open and not pulling it away when we start to get scared or we start to think somebody might hurt us, but in fact, allowing it to just remain there, even if it gets hurt, because just like Jesus and mother Mary was so docile to God's will, even if it resulted in suffering or death, they didn't take their heart away for us to see. They just kept it there out in the open and held it out for us so that we knew that they loved us. And so it just made me think about Mother Mary in this mission, having her heart out there and God coming to her and telling her that this is going to be your mission. And instead of taking her heart away and saying, no, you know what? I think this is a little too much for me. She never bothered to take it away. She, in fact, left it out there and said, you know what? Okay, then, and gave her fiat, right? If this is your will. And so 
that image was just in my mind all day as I was preparing for this recording and just thinking about this chapter. How many times did I hear God's voice and did I not follow because I feared or I shied away because I had doubt that I was worthy enough or doubt that I was capable enough because I was relying on my own strength to do it. Instead of saying, if God is asking me to do this great mission, then surely trusting in him that he would in fact give me the grace that I need to do the mission that he's asking me to perform. This is where a lot of us, especially me, have have the opportunity to grow because it started making me think about what was the weight of my no when I said no and what would have come to fruition if I had said yes and we will never know um, you know but that's what life is it's just a series of choices a series of decisions of whether or not we trust and follow God and so I like what Dr. Edward Shree says in this book about our own enunciations because that reminded me of all of those times and then he talks about um, how it's not just one fiat that was her first fiat but there were multiple fiats after that and just like us we have to continually give our yes to God every moment that we are asked or tasked to do something there is an opportunity to give our fiat and to be docile and open to whatever God's calling us to do I have this image of this narrow path that sometimes is very difficult and I have to trust that if he's calling me down that path, that he will make a way for me to move down that path. And I also have to trust that he will do the same for my children and for everyone else around me as well. In order for me to ask my children to follow God, I also have to follow him. So it makes me think about how my fiat can then be the witness and example that they need in order for them to give their fiat and so on and so on. And so it's just not me. And that's, as you were mentioning, it's not just Israel, it becomes the whole world, right? So yeah, uh, <laughs> those are some of the thoughts I had. Sure. I actually think that that's a really amazing and scary thought experiment that as we know, Mary had multiple annunciations and multiple times to say yes or no to the will of God. She continuously gave her yes. But my history of sinfulness and your history of sinfulness is such that we can remember moments where we said no, and that had ramifications, but also moments where we said yes, and then we saw the fruit of that decision, right? So yeah, I think that's actually a really good thought to have um it sort of reminds me just referencing back to the last episode of my own thought of sort of foolishly having spiritual jealousy towards mary where i thought <laughs> i can't relate to you know having this big radical call to do god's will but this chapter more and more reinforced in my mind especially when dr sri talked about how we all have annunciations plural that i can have many moments and have had many moments in my life where I can feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to do this or say this. And then obviously I have that decision to make, right? Am I going to say yes? Am I going to say no? Um, and then there's that beautiful mercy of God inviting me into another opportunity. Even if I do say no, especially if I repent, then there's also that beautiful ability for God 
to build on my yeses every time I do say yes, because hopefully with each yes, it becomes easier and my heart becomes more attuned to wanting to do what he wants, right? So that's the hope. For sure, for sure. The last thought that I had was that Dr. Edward Shree actually references a poem that's written by the 20th century Catholic writer, Denise Levertov. And it is written in such a format that it is from the perspective of Mother Mary receiving the angel Gabriel's message. And so it was just such a, a beautiful way of bringing art into what was happening in this moment, because as we hear in scripture and many times over um, that one day we are to join the angel's song. And I find poetry very much a song. And in this case, you know, the greeting of the angel Gabriel is something that was said for the first time by the archangel in this annunciation, but it's something that we repeat over and over and over again when we say the Hail Mary. And we join in heaven's song when we do pray the Hail Mary and in the fact that this these were the words that God himself chose to greet Mother Mary through the angel Gabriel. And so it's just beautiful to think that even though this was the first time that it was said, it never ended. Mary is continually praised and petitioned by us to help us and intercede for us. And just as God had to ask for her permission to consent to being part of the plan of salvation, we also, um, you know, by saying the Hail Mary, are showing our willingness to be part of that plan as well because we are participating in this song, in this message of the angel Gabriel. Yeah. I like yeah. the, I like the relationship to the prayer and the saying it's almost a reminder of what we feel when we enter into that Hail Mary each time. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like if we enter into the Hail Mary with such reverence as remembering that these were actually the words given by God to Mary, then I think, you know, to say those words, Hail Mary, full of grace, would take on a whole new meaning every time if we were to consciously and intentionally remember that this was the first greeting of God to Mary. Absolutely. So we hope that you gain some insights from this first step of Mary, which is the step she takes with her open heart at the moment of the Annunciation. And we'll be continuing with our book, Walking with Mary and covering the second chapter and the next step in our following episode. And I think that will take us into the way we end all of our episodes, which is with our God incidents. And to remind everyone what the God incidents are, especially if you're tuning in in a more recent time, is that these are the times that we encounter the voice of God and we felt like he was nudging us it could be in either a consoling or a desolating way, but we feel definitely like it was a time when he was trying to speak to us through an encounter in our life. So I think for me, one of the ways I encountered a God incident was just through reading, actually. It's been really helpful for me to just resume the practice of spiritual reading by our decision to take up this book 
review or, you know, book study that we're doing in these episodes. So that makes me sort of naturally put on my Kindle and sit in the train and really have that time of meditation and spiritual reading in my life. And what's nice is, I guess, currently in my life, I have both this book on the go and then The Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky, which is a bigger undertaking and a pretty big read. And I keep working through it in little parts. But recently, it was just a really neat God incident. And those of you who've read the book will know what I'm referencing. But it was this very intense chapter called The Grand Inquisitor, in which you could see the main characters are really grappling with the existence of God and how there can be a God when there's so much suffering, but how people can continue to follow the will of God in a very beautiful, humble way, not quite understanding everything, but still knowing that he is with them every step of the way. What about you, Rachel? That's a good one. I think for myself, uh, my God incident recently was just really recognizing lately that God has been reminding me to remember how others have helped me along my way and he had sent others to be with me during times of trial and tribulation and that just as I was given that support during those times in my life that I will also be asked to then give that kind of support to others and in a really beautiful way I recognize that God has allowed me to have these memories and to hold on to these memories because it really prepares me to not be afraid to get into someone else's mess you know because I remember those places where I was and somebody was brave enough to come into my mess and help me out When I see others struggling and I see others in this deep muck that maybe somebody else put them in or they got themselves into, either way, it doesn't even matter, but they just need somebody else so that they can come into that mess to be able to let some of the light in so that there could be some sort of hope. And all of us need that sometimes, you know, to know that somebody else loves us enough to do that. And even though the greatest sacrifice and the greatest example of that is Jesus on that cross, sometimes when someone's not yet there in their in their journey of faith, there needs to be, and I believe God sends um, people to be in the mess with them as an example for them in that moment. And so if you have received that kind of love from God where somebody has met you in your mess and helped you through it, Um, Be grateful for them, especially um, we're recording this on the United States Thanksgiving or the United States Thanksgiving Day. And so just remembering that and being grateful and thankful uh, for all those people that have helped you along the way. And just remember that all of that came to you for free. And we also need to be able to give that away for free when the time comes and God calls you for that purpose as well. Uh, So just being really grateful right now for all the people that have helped me and really grateful for all the people that I um, have been called to help and to be an example for them because that allows me 
to share the love that I received freely. So it is a blessing for me too. And it sanctifies all of us. So I am just grateful for that. And I found that to be one of the bigger God incidents recently. (laughs) And I'm really happy you shared it because it does sound so profound to just think about ourselves at our worst and and how God could pull us up out of something so that we can sympathize with others and realize that, yeah, like you said so beautifully, everything we have is gift. So to give away that free gift to others, it's just the natural progression of life. So, And a great reminder for American Thanksgiving. So for those listening and celebrating, because we're so used to purely Canadian Thanksgiving, um, happy Thanksgiving to you. And, uh, and we hope it is a time for reflection and gratitude. Great. And so I guess that wraps up episode two of this season and week two of Advent. We hope that your Advent is going along very fruitfully right now and hoping you can get some more time in conversation and in dialogue with God. We'll wrap up this episode as we normally do with a Hail Mary in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening once again. We feel really blessed, and we are grateful to all of you for tuning in every so often and spending some time with us. Hope you tune in once again. Bye until next week. God bless.